from the Western Riverside Council of Governments. I'm Rachel Singer, and this is CODcast. Throughout California, there is a housing affordability crisis spurred by a mounting shortage of housing supply. State housing officials estimate that an average of 180,000 homes need to be built annually in order to keep pace with the growing population. In an effort to address this issue and stimulate housing production, the Regional Housing Needs Assessment, also known as RENA, is mandated by state housing law as a part of the periodic process of updating local housing elements of a jurisdiction's general plan. Today, joining us on the podcast to talk about RENA is Mayan Johnson, Housing and Land Use Planner at the Southern California Association of Governments, also known as SCAG. So Mayan, thank you so much for being here with us today. Great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. So are you a SoCal native? No, I'm actually not. Um, I grew up in a small city on the central coast of California, mm-hmm. uh, Monterey. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so it's a great place to live, but in terms of uh, jobs and opportunities, um, I wanted to be a planner, so I came down here for grad school, um, okay. and I haven't looked back. Okay. So now that you've lived in Southern California for some time, what's your favorite thing about the area? Yeah, so I think one of my favorite things about Southern California, I mean, I know we complain about the traffic. I mean, people not from Southern California, you know, like to highlight our negatives. Um, I didn't even get my license until I was in my 20s down here. Oh, wow. Uh, But what I like are the weather. Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't own flip-flops until I came down here. (laughs) Uh, But also, it's our diversity. Um, Mm -hmm. We are not comparable to any other region in the nation. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have a lot of diversity from people outside the state from all over the world mm-hmm. um, and we, it makes us really unique um, demographically and even geographically you mm-hmm. can go skiing in the mountains and then the same day go watch the sunset at the beach mm-hmm. it's kind of cliche but it's true southern california is different from the rest of the country definitely that's actually what i did this past weekend we went up to oak glen for pumpkin patch and then we came down and watched the sunset um, at newport <laughs> and it was like it's wow we're awesome. quite literally living that very cliche saying <laughs> Um, So can you tell me a little bit about your professional career up to this point? Yeah, so um, I have been working at SCAG for almost 15 years. And, you know, I'll tell you a secret between you and me and all of our podcast (laughs) listeners. Um, I was actually a transportation focus um, in undergraduate and graduate school. Um, Even in grad grad school, I interned for U.S. Department of Transportation, Federal Highway Administration, even Governor Schwarzenegger's office at the time. Mm -hmm. But uh, I didn't take a single housing planning class, believe it or not. Uh, But since I started working at SCAG, I've been involved in Urban Land Institute, uh, American Planning Association, Lambda Alpha. Mm -hmm. I even and served as a planning commissioner for a term um, and served as its chair um, in Orange County. Mm-hmm. And so um, I feel like my experience, things I've learned, gone to conferences, um, somehow I've become a regional housing expert, if you will. <laughs> um, and also for what's known as the Regional Housing Needs Assessment, uh, RENA, um, R-H-N-A. Um, I'm known as the RENA RENA or RENA Queen. Oh, <laughs> I like that saying. So that really is a good transition into more of the content and discussion about today. So it's no mystery that housing affordability is a really big issue in California. So can you share a little bit about how this happened? 
Yeah, so you can't really open up a paper today without looking at headlines, housing crisis, uh, unaffordability, the state wants to do something. Mm -hmm. Um, Local jurisdictions, our cities, our counties, um, partner agencies, you know, they're really struggling and, you know, how do we meet housing? Mm -hmm. So the problem of housing and housing affordability, um, when you look at it, it's, so we're also noticing because housing affordability has always been a low-income family issue. Um, a lot of low-income families have struggled. Uh, I mean, it's you have limited income. Uh, there's not enough housing uh, that is affordable just to begin with for low-income families. Mm-hmm. But we're noticing because it's increasingly become a middle-class problem. So mm-hmm. not just unaffordable, but housing is starting to become unattainable. Mm-hmm. And so while it's always been a problem for low-income families, middle-income families are now feeling the pinch, either personally or they know someone personally um, that the housing crisis is affecting. Mm-hmm. But what I also want to point out is that the housing crisis isn't something that's happened overnight either. Uh, So if you look at housing building activity, um, so when I was a planning commissioner, you know, you'd hear a lot of complaints, um, some concerns about housing projects. Um, We're building like crazy nowadays. You see apartments going up in your city. Um, They're a little more dense, maybe more townhomes. Mm -hmm. But this building activity compare, does not compare at all to what's what happened in the 70s, uh, about over 40 years ago. So the 70s, you know, crazy time I hear. <laughs> but there's a lot of building activity then. So between uh, in the 70s, we had about one new housing unit for every 1.74 persons added to our population in Southern California. But in 1990, this ratio dropped to one new unit for every four and a half persons added to the population. And this ratio has improved. The past few years, it's about one person for every 3.3 persons added to the population. What that means is this housing crisis, uh, housing supply hasn't kept up with our population's needs over decades. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that happened overnight. What we're feeling now with unaffordability, unattainability for all income levels, Mm -hmm. this is something that's been accumulating over decades. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good, that's really great insight. I think that even me personally, I would be considered what a lot of people call millennials. And I see a lot of my friends and family who fall in that same category who I would say our middle class people, they are moving out of state just because of that unattainability. Like it's not only the affordability, but wow, if we look down like 10, 15 years down the road, like our de- it has been a decade long process. Um, so how would you explain Rena to someone who knows nothing about it? I guess. So um, it's something that is uh, we're required to do. Um, so I know a lot of people don't like it, um, mm-hmm. but without it, I guess I would be doing something else. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Regional Housing Needs Assessment, also known as the acronym RHNA, um, it's pronounced RENA, RANA, RENA, RONA, take your pick. <laughs> um, but it's one of our many, many acronyms in regional government. Uh, So it's a process to determine housing need for all income levels for every jurisdiction in California. So Mm -hmm. jurisdiction meaning every city and every unincorporated county area. Mm -hmm. So the state requires that SCAG, uh, we're the local council of governments, a COG, uh, we're required to come up with a RENA allocation for every jurisdiction in our region. So Mm -hmm. that's 191 cities and six counties. So we're actually the largest COG in the state Mm -hmm. um, and the largest uh, type of COG um, in the nation. So um, we have a big job ahead of us for the arena process. 
so there's a process to determine housing need. Um, it starts off with the state, uh, the California Department of Housing and Community Development, HCD. They give us a regional number. Um, so that regional number they give to us as a region. And then we have to come up with a way, a methodology uh, to distribute that regional need. So we mm-hmm. have to figure out where housing needs to go. Mm-hmm. So RENA is an eight-year planning period. So we do this every eight years. It's like a festival we throw. <laughs> um, so the current cycle, uh, that's the fifth RENA cycle. Um, that's uh, um, it's between October 2013 and October 2021. Mm-hmm. That's the planning period. The one we're developing now is called the sixth cycle. That's between 2021 and 2029. So once a jurisdiction, uh, they get a RENA allocation from us. So that represents existing, because we talked about that accumulation of housing need over decades. Mm-hmm. So that's existing need and also projected need for the eight-year planning period. So once a city gets that reallocation, they'll update their housing element in their general plan. So they have to show through sites and zoning analysis where housing, um, this existing and projected need, where it'll occur, how can they accommodate it. And then uh, they put that together, submit that to HCD, and hopefully that is in compliance with state housing law, Mm -hmm. and we'll see you in eight years. Okay, wow. That is quite the complicated process. And so you mentioned this a little bit, but can you share a little bit more about how SCAG is involved and what the role of SCAG is in the RENA process? Yeah, so uh, once we get that number from HCD, so HCD comes up with that regional number. Um, This time around, it's 1.34 million units. So that's for the entire region um, that we have to plan for. All our housing elements together have to equal 1.34 million units Mm -hmm. at a minimum. So SCAG's role then is to take that regional number and come up with a methodology to distribute that, uh, where it's going to go. And so there's a lot of ways you can do it. There's a million and one ways you really can do (laughs) Lena. I've seen many already um, and uh, heard a lot of comments about different ways to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But our current draft methodology that we're developing um, that looks at different factors. So uh, the RENA subcommittee, um, it's one of our many subcommittees, uh, oh, since October 2018, they've looked at different factors um, that can affect where housing should go. Um, should it be based on job access? Should it be based on transit access? Um, should it be based on uh, household growth projections, um, household income? Uh, there's different factors that you can look at um, because every council of governments, um, there's ABAG up north, uh, there's SANDAG down south, mm-hmm. uh, they come up with their own methodology. Mm-hmm. And so our role is to develop a methodology that best fits our regional needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, once we get the methodology out, it's approved uh, by HCD later, um, or they provide comments on it. We adopt it as a final methodology. Uh, we'll have an appeals process. But then our role is to get to a final allocation plan mm-hmm. that still equals $1.34 million, and it distributes to every city and county what their needs are, what mm-hmm. their share is of that regional number. Um, I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot, but you mentioned some of the other councils of governments that are also tasked with allocating their RENA numbers from HCD. So what are some of the things that they are using to distribute that allocation to the different jurisdictions? Yeah, so um, a lot of them look at different factors, but um, based on a lot of... um, 
additional ties, additional legislation in recent years that start linking uh, jobs, housing balance, mm-hmm. uh, transit, transit infrastructure, and even household growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little similar to ours, though their formulas may be a little different mm-hmm. um, because they're they're just different costs. Right, right. Uh, but they are looking at similar factors to ours this time around. Though in past years, um, they've looked at capacity, um, they've looked at uh, how many permits have been issued. Uh, Mm -hmm. So there have been other factors looked at. Uh, But this time around, at least, uh, because we're all on different cycles as well. So um, Sandag's already uh, (laughs) a little ahead of us. (laughs) No. Um, And then SACOG is a little concurrent in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. And the Bay Area, ABAG, uh, they'll be doing theirs, uh, finishing theirs in a couple years. So we're all on different timelines. But from what I've seen, uh, there is a general trend about looking at uh, household growth as Mm -hmm. a major factor uh, for some. And then others, it's more transit transit and jobs. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing you say is that SCAG is the facilitator of all of those conversations within at the subcommittee and committee level, but then they're also the distributor um, or the allocator, if you will, of what the RENA allocation is. I like that. Allocator. <laughs> I don't even know if that's yeah. a word. We I just like made that, it up. Yeah, it sounds like Terminator and Alligator. Is it? <laughs> We're serious here. Yeah. We're the Terminator. Yes. <laughs> um, can you provide a little bit of insight on just the timeline of RENA? As you said, it seems like all the different COGS are at different seasons. So where is SCAG's reallocation out in the timeline. Yeah, so right now um, we're developing our draft methodology. Um, so that uh, that's what we distribute that 1.34 million. Mm-hmm. Um, in comparison to prior cycles, um, this one's a little more complicated. Uh, there's again more recent legislation from the state um, mm-hmm. and trying to make a more um, involved and intense RENA process. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so the draft methodology, um, we've already done a official public comment period, uh, but uh, the draft methodology will be um, we're developing right now and then we'll be submitting to HCD for their 60-day review in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, after we receive comments from them, um, that'll most likely take place early next year, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll be able to review those comments and then go through our committee process again and then mm-hmm. adopt the final methodology. And once we have the final methodology, we can distribute a draft allocation uh, for jurisdictions to start planning in their housing elements. Okay, so that's a great segue into my next question. So what do jurisdictions need to do moving forward? Yeah, so I think jurisdictions so far have done a really great job in being engaged in the RENA process. Mm-hmm. Um, RENA, I mean, just explaining it here, you know, it's <laughs> just explaining it as simple as I can. It's a very complex process, Mm -hmm. and the technical details behind it are even more complex. And so I know there's a lot of jurisdictions. Um, I run what's called the RENA hotline. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get a lot of concerns, but we get a lot of questions too. Uh, mm-hmm. Questions about the process, about technical details. And there's been a lot of effort made by jurisdictions to mm-hmm. understand the process. Mm-hmm. So reaching out to us to answer, ask even the most simple questions. We want our jurisdictions, we want their staff uh, to at least have a understanding of the process so they can therefore explain it to their elected officials. Mm-hmm. Uh, because those are, those are the decision makers and we want our decision makers to be comfortable mm-hmm. when talking about RENA and making decisions on it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that continual engagement in the process mm-hmm. um, is really vital uh, for jurisdictions um, now mm-hmm. and going forward. Um, and one thing I wanted to note, uh, so the last cycle, um, it seemed so easy in comparison. Uh, we received <laughs> about uh, 20 comment letters for the entire almost two-year period of developing the fifth mm-hmm. cycle RENA. Mm-hmm. 
by uh, now we have about over 500 comments. Wow. And we still have another year to go and another mm-hmm. official public comment period. Um, so I'm slowly lo- losing my sanity. <laughs> but um, I think that continual engagement is really, co- it's really crucial uh, mm-hmm. for jurisdictions that both understand the process and then helping us help them. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's, that is a crazy comparison to the fifth Rena cycle, the 20 letters to 200 currently, and then you have a oh, whole yes. nother year. <laughs> um, you guys are... Ch- our troopers. Um, so what do, what happens if jurisdictions do not comply with RENA? Yeah, so uh, that's a common question we get. Mm-hmm. Um, and so RENA, it's not a, and it's not exactly a building quota. So if mm-hmm. housing units aren't built, there's no direct penalties associated with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to back up a little bit because uh, at the minimum, a jurisdiction is required to have a compliant housing element. So the housing element identifies sites and zoning analysis, mm-hmm. uh, maybe some programs on how they would plan where these units would go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if there's an applicant, a developer who wants to build a residence, a residential mm-hmm. unit, um, that the plan, their housing element identifies so what uh, the density, setbacks, and everything to accommodate whatever is being proposed. Mm -hmm. So that's the minimum. And of course, if you don't have a compliant housing element, you'd be ineligible for funding opportunities, grants. Um, There's a whole host of things. So the minimum is having a compliant housing element. But in terms of building, um, so RENA is not quite a building quota. Mm -hmm. It identifies how much you'll need to plan for. But there are some consequences, though, um, if housing isn't built. Um, So again, these aren't direct penalties, um, but SB 35, it allows for a project to qualify for streamlining. And by streamlining, I mean it's by right. So if a project is proposed, if you get by right, uh, that means that you can um, build um, with just a ministerial permit. You don't have to go before planning commission. You don't have to go before city council. Mm-hmm. And you're also exempt from that CEQA review um, mm-hmm. during the discretionary process. So mm-hmm. you just basically get a stamp from the planning department allowing you to build by right. But uh, to qualify for streamlining, uh, so if a jurisdiction does not um, issue enough permits according to its RENA allocation, um, so the project has to be located in a jurisdiction where that occurs. So it's not a penalty directly, directly on the jurisdiction, but it is a consequence because it allows a builder to bypass the discretionary process. So it doesn't have to go before city council. Uh, but of course, there's circumstances, uh, constraints on that project. So um, the project has to be located within um, an area that is zoned for exactly what they're proposing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also has to do things such as pay prevailing wage. Mm-hmm. So just because the jurisdiction may be required to allow by right in those circumstances, the project may not qualify. So Mm -hmm. streamlining um, SB 35 may not be applied in every single situation. Mm -hmm. So again, it's not quite a penalty, but it's more just a consequence of if you don't permit enough units. Mm -hmm. But again, jurisdictions are not required to build these units, and that's why we don't consider it necessarily a direct penalty. Um, But uh, with the caveat, um, since the state, um, the housing crisis, it's a local problem, it's a regional problem, and it's also a state problem, Mm -hmm. that the state has actually proposed over 100 bills related to housing in the past couple years. Mm -hmm. Uh, They dealt with things such as homelessness, uh, things such as housing funding, uh, which is very important for helping to build housing. Um, But they also deal with the RENA process as well. But uh, there's been a trend in the past couple of years 
There's been uh, two legislative bills that were recently proposed, and while they failed, um, it does point to a wider trend of trying to tie housing building locally to funding that they're entitled to. Mm -hmm. So SB1, gas tax funding um, Mm -hmm. that's given to local jurisdictions to help build or fix roads and Mm -hmm. other related infrastructure, uh, that there's been a push at the state level to actually tie in SB1 funding to housing production. Mm -hmm. And that is a departure from um, how we viewed housing is it's not a building quota. So uh, by tying in housing funding to housing or to funding to housing building, mm-hmm. um, there will be direct penalties, if you will, later. Um, nothing has been passed yet, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be surprising if in future years um, the state continues to make that push. Mm-hmm. And that that is that can be really intimidating for jurisdictions for obvious Definitely. reasons too. Can you explain the process by which SCAG has chosen to allocate RENA to the 191 cities within their region? Yeah, so uh, we start off with that regional determination from HCD. So they've determined it as 1.34 million units Mm -hmm. for the eight-year planning period for our region. Mm -hmm. So our methodology will then be to uh, distribute this need. Where will housing go? So. Uh, the draft methodology, and um, we'll be submitting it to HCD this fall, um, mm-hmm. and then we'll get comments from them and have a final methodology available. Um, we'll go through the process again early next year. Mm-hmm. But the draft methodology, um, based on um, a lot of uh, discussions, a lot of comments from stakeholders, uh, jurisdictions, the general public, and our partners, um, they provided a lot of input on what should go in the methodology. How do we determine where housing should go? Where's Mm -hmm. the most appropriate place to have housing in the Mm -hmm. region? So uh, there are three main factors uh, that we are including in our draft methodology. Mm -hmm. And they are household growth, uh, so uh, growth projections. Uh, They're also based on job accessibility and transit accessibility. So these three things together tie in to um, our Connect SoCal plan. Uh, That's our regional transportation plan, sustainable community strategy. Mm -hmm. I'm not lying when I say we're full of acronyms. It's also known as (laughs) RTPSES. Add that to your dictionary. (laughs) So SCAG's growth forecast, um, that's what's used as a basis for both our Connect SoCal plan, transportation planning, land use, Mm -hmm. and also with our RENA plan. And the growth forecast is um, one of our uh, main goals um, or main programs at SCAG uh, because it looks at where housing growth is going to occur at different horizon years. So RENA is eight-year period, uh, but our Connect SoCal plan, um, the current one that we're going to adopt later next year, mm-hmm. goes all the way to 2045. Mm-hmm. So it's trying to figure out, well, what are our short-term go- goals? What are our long-term goals? And so the growth forecast is forecasting population, household, and employment growth for jurisdictions, not just our region. Mm -hmm. And that it goes actually through the ringer. It goes through a process, a review by panel of experts, by partner agencies, and also our local jurisdictions themselves. Mm -hmm. And so while it's not the complete, um, it's not the complete basis for our arena methodology, it is one factor, but it's also equally important to include that. Mm Definitely. So I I anticipate that the methodology to distribute RENA allocations is and has been a very complex process. And so how has SCAG managed the differing views and opinions from the six different counties within their region? Ah, so (laughs) (laughs) the RENA hotline is always on. (laughs) 
Um, so we have received a lot of comments. Um, mm-hmm. As I mentioned um, earlier, there's a lot more involvement from not just jurisdictions um, and subregions, uh, but also from stakeholders, advocacy groups, the general public. Mm-hmm. Um, we received over 500 comments um, since October of last year on RENA. Um, and in comparison, the last RENA cycle, uh, we received about 20 comments for the entire thing. <laughs> so we still have another year to go. I anticipate a lot more comments. But it's really interesting to see all the different perspectives of what's important to local communities um, mm-hmm. and how that fits into the region. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I really like about Southern California, it's diversity. Um, and diversity is actually one of those things that we're trying to build in the arena process because we understand local circumstances, local planning factors, uh, preservation for open space, for instance, these are all important. Mm -hmm. And it's trying to balance that with what are our objectives uh, for our Connect SoCal, our transportation planning, Mm -hmm. uh, but also what are the objectives of state housing law? Mm -hmm. So our methodology, our plan at the minimum has to further the requirements of state housing law. So we do have to consider things such as the jobs housing relationship, Mm -hmm. efficient development patterns, preserving open space, um, and also considering uh, to avoid segregation, historical segregation patterns. Mm-hmm. So RENA has to include these um, to have to further the objectives, but we're also looking to further the objectives of our plan, so best planning practices, and also balance the needs of the jurisdictions. So I'd be lying to say, uh, I'd be lying if I said it was very easy, <laughs> but I can also say I'm never bored at work. <laughs> Um, so have jurisdictions been able to meet their arena targets in past cycles? And what are maybe some of those barriers that local for local jurisdictions in meeting their numbers? Yeah, so looking back at the fifth arena cycle, so technically that's what our housing element covers now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's for the region, it was 412,000 units. Um, compared to now, 1.34 million, it seems like a piece of cake. And <laughs> I kind of missed those years. Uh, but looking at then a 412,000 units, how much of this housing has been built um, or at least permitted across the region? So mm-hmm. we're about three quarters done with mm-hmm. the cycle. Um, and I was just looking at these permit reports, and it looks like as a region, we've only met about 54% of that regional need of 412,000 units. Mm. The good news is, as a region, we've met about 100% of our market rate units. But then when you look at affordable units, um, it's about tw- it's less than 12% as a oh, region. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so we're not we're building, but we're not building enough affordable units and moderate rate units. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's only for 412,000. And so the problem of 1.34 million is mm-hmm. how do we meet that, especially when our current trends, we're not even meeting a number that's much, much smaller than that. Mm-hmm. So looking at the barriers, um, because there's a lot of barriers at the local level. Um, there's regulation barriers. The high cost of land, the high cost of construction, mm-hmm. um, community opposition. There's a variety of challenges uh, that local jurisdictions have to face. I mean, there's even limited funding available, especially mm-hmm. um, with the dis- uh, dissolution of RDA funds in 2012. So these are all barriers to getting housing built. And it leads to a lot of fatigue at the local level. Mm -hmm. And so those who may be very pro-housing, it ends up that um, you you end up uh, in a situation where you have limited resources to deal with this. Um, You have a lot of local uh, politics, uh, Mm -hmm. local community opposition that can get in the way. And so by this fatigue, it it gets in the way of promoting good practices and promoting housing of all types. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So what what do you think is missing from the conversation surrounding housing? Yeah. So I think part of it is, um, you know, I, I run in running the RENA hotline. You know, I hear a lot of concern shared about the RENA process, uh, how it affects local jurisdictions, what's equitable. Mm-hmm. I think what's really missing from this is that the housing crisis would still be here if RENA disappeared. You can get rid of the RENA process, but the fact is that we just don't have enough housing. Um, That's something that's been happening over decades. We can't get rid of it overnight, uh, but it's something we need to keep planning towards. Mm -hmm. So I think that at least for local jurisdictions, um, because of all this fatigue and trying to promote housing, trying to do the right thing for our region, is trying to tie in housing goals to your current goals. Mm-hmm. So let's say you um, open space is important to your jurisdiction. And so planning for um, housing that's more in urbanized areas away from open space, um, because you've already identified that as a local priority. Um, or traffic management, um, having better plans, um, trying to weave in residential units um, to where transit is or where planned transit is. Mm-hmm. Um, so even economic development. Uh, I'm not the first person to say this, but housing is where jobs sleep at night. Um, A lot of uh, communities, uh, job growth is very important to them. Mm -hmm. And so to plan for job growth, you need to plan for housing growth. So linking these two together, um, I think that can actually help promote housing by co-opting them, um, linking them to your current community goals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So as a planner, and, and you've had a variety of training and obviously a, a long career um, at SCAG doing planning and from a variety of different perspectives as well. Um, you mentioned transportation earlier and then now housing. So what are three areas that you see as most important to prioritize for Riverside County? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think that... Um, there's a reta- retainment of local talent, I think, uh, and this is in no particular order, but local talent. So our future generations, um, Riverside County and a lot of the Inland Empire actually has really great educational institutions. So you have thousands of graduates every year. Um, they spent the past four years in your local community, and a lot of them want a job here. Uh, but they also need housing. They're going to have, especially with millennials nowadays and recent graduates, mm-hmm. uh, that there's student debt. Um, student debt gets in the way of other form or other ways to spend your money. Mm-hmm. So housing is definitely one of those. And so if they're looking for somewhere where they can have a good starting job, but also somewhere where there's affordable housing, this is our next generation, um, our next generation of your community, future community members. So I think retaining local talent, um, potentially uh, partnering with educational institutions, how we can increase um, affordability and attainable housing uh, for our next generation for our new graduates that are just looking to stay and grow their roots in Southern California and especially Mm -hmm. in Riverside County. Um, I think another one, too, is continuing to engage uh, diverse community groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riverside County, um, it's definitely, there are urbanized areas uh, with a lot of great transit access, infill opportunities, uh, but there's uh, the eastern part of the county where it's more agricultural-based, uh, where there's um, it's more rural. Mm-hmm. And so the outreach is different. Um, so if you want to engage community groups in an urban area, you can have public hearings, stakeholder workshops, mm-hmm. um, easily accessible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for more agricultural communities, uh, maybe more farm worker oriented communities, outreach to those groups is different. Um, you can't just hold a public hearing and expect people to come or provide meaningful input. Um, the outreach would be to local leaders, um, either civic groups um, or religious groups, um, but trusted members 
members of the community. So reaching out to them as well to help them be part of the process. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know a lot of jurisdictions are already doing that. So I hope that can actually continue so all groups can be part of the housing conversation. And I think the final thing is maximizing partnerships among stakeholders. So there isn't one single entity that's responsible for the housing crisis. I mean, this is something that's been happening over decades, Mm -hmm. but it also means that one single entity isn't uh, responsible for solving it. Mm -hmm. So I see the housing crisis is it's a collective problem with a collective solution. Mm -hmm. And so partnering with um, public agencies, partnering with private uh, groups um, and businesses, and also nonprofits. Um, Each of us is responsible for doing a part of the housing crisis. But again, it's a collective problem requiring a collective solution. Uh, This isn't something that's that's happened overnight, and it's going to take a long time to Mm -hmm. keep working towards, continually working towards building housing, increasing housing for our population needs. But Southern California, it's where you and I call home. It's where 19 million other people call home. And it's where the housing crisis affects us all. Mm-hmm, definitely. So thank you so much for taking the time to sit on our podcast today. Um, I learned so much, not only about Rena, but just more of the background behind the housing crisis. And so we're really appreciative of just your knowledge and insight. Um, do you have any final remarks before we sign off for today? Well, I wanted to thank you for this opportunity. Um, I know uh, some listeners may have uh, hear me present very uh, technical presentations. <laughs> and so this was very refreshing. So thank you for inviting me here today. Of course. Well, thank you so much. For more information on Rena, please check out SCAG's Rena webpage, or you can email them at housing at scag.ca.gov. For more information on WRCOG and the podcast, feel free to check out our website at wrcog.us.